we're waiting on the man of God to come to us and bring the word of God. Let's just lift our hands and give God praise. Let's just give God glory. Let's just magnify his name. Let us say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Father, we just ask that you would enter in this room and continue to let your presence be known. God, anoint your manservant today as he come forth with the word of God. Father, as he pours out his heart, as he ministers to your people, as he lay out before you day and night, God, won't you pour out your spirit upon him, your blessings upon him. God, cause your blessings to overtake him. Reward him, God, according to his faithfulness. In the mighty name of Jesus, we bless you and we thank you. Let your word go forth with power. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost rest in this place. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Good afternoon to everyone, and happy Father's Day to the fathers in the house. Uh, some of you all know that uh, I used to mentor three boys about 20 years ago, and um, one of them reached out to me, actually reached out to me a few weeks ago, I just didn't recognize who he was, but I... Uh, discovered who he was, and um, they are now 32, 30, and like 29. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, and the, the middle one, the 30-year-old, he said to me, uh, and kind of on the backstory, their father had dropped them off at their aunt's house and said that he would be back to see about them in a month, and it had been like 10 years. So he said to me, he sent me a text, he said, you were a father to us when we needed it the most. 20 years later. Yeah. So that was, that was very touching to me. Um, so to go into our lesson, the last few weeks, I know last week our, our Power Hour lesson was about faith, and the week before that it was about faith. Today it was about faith. Uh, faith is very important to us. So the topic of the message today is a journey of faith. We are all on a journey of faith. Um, so the theme for today is a journey of faith. And it, you all know when I talk about faith, I, I interchange that with trust. A journey of trust really is an invitation to know God. Um, I believe uh, Brother Mark touched on my scripture, my initial scripture today, Psalm 103. Was that the passage you used, Psalm 103? Okay. Psalm 103, starting at verse 11. It says, for as high, and let me back up. Faith, trust, is only as good as the object that is placed in. And I also want to draw this analogy. We know that marriage is a microcosm of the relationship between Christ and the church. So faith can, unfortunately, faith can 
often be characterized as I can believe hard enough to get what I want from God. But let's put that in the context of a marriage relationship. If a marriage relationship is only about stuff that you can get from each other, that's a pretty shallow relationship. Relationships are about intimacy. And intimacy takes time. Um, husbands and wives spend time with each other. Many years growing. Uh, I've heard Pastor Kerm share what you all are, what, on 40 plus years, right? And uh, I've heard you say many times that you loved Sandy back then. Your love was strong, but it's even stronger now stronger than ever and it's going to continue to grow Warren and Maria I mean you see how these two interact with each other Warren often talks about they, they play with each other they're laughing and all this kind of stuff that's a result of time spent time spent together investment that's how it is with us and God we have to spend time with God we can't just go to God and say, give me, I need this. Right. It's, God, I want to be in relationship with you. So, as I said, first of all, we have to know who God is. Psalm 103 is one of the many passages that talks about that. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear and worship him with awe-filled respect and deepest reverence. God is not the man upstairs. He's not my buddy. He is God. He is holy. He is sovereign. He's also loving. He's compassionate. He's patient. Matter of fact, he's the best father ever. <laughs> as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us now I've, I have lots of transgressions I have lots of things that I've done that I am not proud of and guess what you do too but isn't it wonderful that the Lord does not hold these against us Just as a father loves his children, so the Lord loves those who fear and worship him with awe-filled respect and deepest reverence. You know, I, I came to the realization a number of years ago that that is why our enemy attacks fathers so strongly because that father-child relationship is essential in the development of a child. And there are so many people whose relationship with their father is not good. And it's the father's fault. Um, many people have grown up without fathers. Or the fathers have been in the home but emotionally distant. Um, you, all have, you, know, you all have heard the story about my own father. I did speak to my father this morning, by the way. I wished him uh, 
Happy Father's Day. I told him I'd love him, and his usual response is, <laughs> that, that means he, yeah, he likes it. Yeah, he likes it. Yeah, yeah he approved. Yeah. Yes. Just as the Father loves his children, so the Lord loves those who fear and worship him with awe-filled respect and deepest, deepest reverence. For he knows our frame. He knows who we are. He remembers that we are merely dust. As for man, his days are like grass, like a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is no more, and its place knows it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who reverently fear him and his righteousness to children's children. So we've established that our God is loving. He's long-suffering. He's merciful. He knows who I am. We're going to look at another passage. He knows my thoughts. And we're talking about faith. We're talking about trust. Um, faith can be challenging because we don't we don't see God, and he's, he's telling us, he's inviting us to rest and trust in him, but we're, we're looking at stuff, we're like, but, but, I don't see any evidence of what you're talking about. Let's continue. Familiar passage, Proverbs 3, and I'm going 5 through 8. Um. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. Note it says, with all our heart, all my heart. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. There are many passages in Proverbs that are they're known as contrasting couplets. And they're repeated. When we see themes that are repeated in Scripture, that means they're very important. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. By the way, as you all may know, the word know is, in Hebrew, it's yada, which is the same word that is used for physical intimacy between a husband and wife. So we're talking about intimacy. It's not just, I know God. It's I'm, I'm growing. I, I know God's character. I know that he's loving. I know that he's patient. I know that he knows my thoughts. Let me throw this in here. As I said, faith is challenging. It would not be honest to stand up here and say, faith is easy. We can look at biblical characters who struggled with faith. We see their faith journey. Abraham, David, Isaac, what is it, um, Elijah. Elijah's like, oh, I'm the only one out here. Uh, Jezebel said, I'm about to kill you. And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> and I appreciate the fact that the Bible represents its characters, warts and all. Because you know what? We have those same issues going on in ourselves. All right. 
So in all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. So we come to a situation, and, and I don't know what to do, or I'm worried about it. Keeping in mind, God knows my thoughts, so it, it is best for us to confess that to God and say, you know what, God, I want to do your will. Hopefully, I want to do his will. And I say to God, God, I'm worried about this. It, this is hard. God, I need you to guide me through this. This is what the instruction is in this passage. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord with reverent awe and obedience and turn entirely away from evil. And look at the results of this. It will be health to your body, your marrow, your nerves, your sinews, your muscles, all your inner parts, and refreshment, physical and well-being to your bones. We have a choice when it comes to trusting God. We're, we're confronted with a situation, and I have a choice. I look at it, and I'm like, um, let me give you an example. For many years, and I think, um, Matthew 6 and 33. Yeah, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And I would read that passage and in my mind I would be saying but, 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 but this looks like this and this looks like that. See I'm trying to figure it out in my head this situation looks this way, so if I do this, it's not going to work. Instead of saying, God, I don't know what to do. God, you are in control. You are the sovereign God. You've already worked this out. You want me to rest and trust in you. Do you know that is so liberating? Instead of trying to micromanage it myself and work it out, and if I do this, and that'll happen, saying, God, it is my desire to honor you. It is my desire to be obedient to you. I don't know how to, how to do this. I don't know. Here it is. So many times when we're asking God for things, we want it to work out a certain way. We want it to happen this way. And God is saying, mm, that's not my plan. <laughs> because again, our premise is a journey of faith, trust, is an invitation to know God. When I realize and acknowledge who he is, I realize that his way of doing things is way better than mine. And I have messed up enough stuff in my life so you all know last year about this time, my, my mantra was, I'm almost 50. Well, now I'm almost 51. <laughs> right, right. And what's exciting is that I'm learning to rest and trust. Not using faith as a tool to get the things that I want. A lot of you all know the BMW story. This was... This was about 12 years ago, just like that. 
I had to have that convertible BMW, M Roadster. Just had to have it. And I got it. $842 a month. Yeah, exactly. And I love those responses when I say that. At the time, I had a first and second mortgage, two maxed out credit cards, but, and I shouldn't have gone and test driven that thing to begin with. Because at the time, I had just gotten an Acura TL four months prior, which was fine. But in my head, I need, here, here's what it was. I need something that's going to make me look good. That's what it was. I want people to look at me driving this car and say, that guy is successful. That's what I did. And guess what? Oh, I paid dearly. And sometimes we can do the same kinds of things with things that we're, we're clamoring after. Instead of consulting God, what I should have done was said, God, what is your plan? God, what do you want me to do? Because first of all, it was his money. I can, as a, one of those uh, chefs back in the 80s, say, I guarantee <laughs> Spending $842 a month on a car was not good stewardship. Right, plus insurance. Had to put premium gas in it. It got 22 miles a gallon. The tire, and again, this was 12 years ago, each tire was $250. I, I had to get an oil, no, the, the brakes went out on that right after the warranty expired. $1,300 for a brake job. Right. <laughs> and see, I just forgot I was going to say. Because <laughs> I'm almost 51, that's right. The passage here says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. See, sometimes we can, we can, we can, um, prioritize and characterize situations. This was important. God, I'll give this one to you. But this right here, I, I got that. I'll handle that one. God, when I need you, I'll get back to you. But I can handle this one. Yeah. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct my path. Let me read this again in verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord with reverent awe and obedience and turn entirely away from evil. How many times have we said to ourselves, again, I, I, I know what to do. I got this figured out. And then it goes, Whoa. all right. Hebrews 6, 11 through 18. And we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence all the way through so as to realize and enjoy the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be spiritually sluggish but will instead be imitators of those who through faith lean on God with absolute trust and confidence in him and in his power and by patient endurance 
even when suffering, are now inheriting the promises. Here's the thing about patient endurance. Not only is it um, a determination of, of the time that we wait, but it's how we wait. I, I like to use this, uh, this example. I'm sure we've all seen people at a bus stop and you're waiting for the bus and folks are that's not patient waiting that's impatient waiting the bus is not going to get here any sooner another one of my favorites is you know at the crosswalk you know you press the button Guess what? It's, it's not going to change any faster. Yeah, just one. This is the first one. Yeah, boom. All right. Verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, he swore an oath by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited he realized the promise in the miraculous birth of Isaac but we remember Abraham's journey at the beginning when God told him he was going to have a son he fell on the ground laughing and Sarah was in the tent and heard and she laughed so much so God said Name the boy laughter. But when we get to the point where Abraham's faith had developed, because in the interim, he said his wife was his sister twice to protect himself, save his own neck. But by the time Abraham got to the point where God said, take your son and sacrifice him, Abraham said, okay. Abraham did not know how God was going to deliver him. But he said, God, you have proven yourself faithful, trustworthy. And it wasn't God who changed. It was Abraham who changed. So in our journey of faith, God's not changing. He wants us to grow in intimacy with him. All right, let me continue. Uh, verse 15, and so having patiently waited, he realized the promise in the miraculous birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come from God. Indeed, men swear an oath by one greater than themselves. And with them in all disputes, the oath serves as confirmation of what has been said and is an end of the dispute. In the same way, God, in his desire to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable nature of his purpose, intervened and guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two interchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie. We 
who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. Now, I'm going to continue saying through this presentation, I know faith is hard. I know this. But God is inviting us to know him. How do we know him? See, that Bible used to be up there on that ledge. Right? <laughs> all right, all right. By spending quality time in his word. Uh, Psalm 119, somewhere around 65, that verse somewhere says, the sum of your word is truth. When I immerse myself in God's word, I am immersing myself in truth. When I lean to my own understanding, I'm not immersing myself in truth. All right, Hebrews 11 and 6. I believe uh, Warren shared this passage this morning. I'm reading it from the Common English Bible. It is, it's impossible to please God without faith. Because the one who draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards people who try to find him. Am I searching for God? Camille had uh, presented a song a few years back, God Chaser. Am I chasing God? Am I searching for God? Am I, am I seeking him? I, I love, David is called a man after God's own heart. But note, David's life was not perfect. But when things were presented to him that he had made mistakes, his heart was tender. And he's like, oh, man, I messed up. God, I repent before you. God. And many times we see David would ask God, do you want me to pursue the Philistines or not? Do you want me to do this or not? That's an example for us. God, do you want me to do this or not? God, what is your plan for me? Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed. Be financially ethical. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never, under any circumstances, desert you, nor give up on, nor give up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently say, The Lord is my helper. In time of need, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Now, the question with these passages, well, let me ask this. Are these passages true? The question is, do I believe them? Because we, you know, we, we see the parable of the, uh, the seed, seeds and the sower. The word is the same. The seed is the same that throw, that's thrown on different kinds of ground. But it has different responses, different outcomes. Some seed goes on the hard ground. It doesn't take root. Some goes on the ground. It takes root. But the thorns, the weeds, choke it out. 
and then we have the fruit of the seed that, that takes root. It grows. That's where we want to be. God, again, God knows our thoughts. I know faith is challenging. I know that. But if I can say, let me give you a, a prime example. Forgiveness. God says, forgive. And we're reading the passage saying, but God, you don't know what they did to me. In fact, let me, let's come over here to 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. This is a great passage. All right, 1 Timothy 2. Okay, 1 Timothy 2 and 1 says, First of all, then I urge that petitions, specific requests, prayers, intercessions, prayers for others, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all people. For kings and all who are in positions of high authority. Now, we talked about this about a month or so ago. This means that person I disagree with, that I don't like, or that who doesn't like me. God says, through Timothy, I am to pray for this person and to give thanks for them. And here's what we can do. I ain't going to do that. I'm not doing that. I ain't praying for him. You, you don't. You know what they did to me? I don't like the way they think. I don't like the way they look. I'm not praying for him. For kings and all who are in positions of authority, that political person that I don't agree with, God, through the pen of Timothy, says, pray for him or her and give thanks for them. And here's the result so that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So when I refuse to do that, I'm not going to live a peaceful life. And some will still say, I refuse to pray for that person. God's like, okay. Okay. You'll, you'll be back. And let's continue. This kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So why would I do something that's not pleasing to God? Why would I conscious, I've read the passage and I'll say, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I refuse to do it. Yeah, no. We've seen five-year-olds do that. I want you to do this. No. A journey of faith is an invitation to know God. God is, God is inviting us to know him. And when I read his word and I refuse to obey it, what I'm doing is I'm taking that invitation and I'm tearing it up. I ain't going to do it. 
but then we'll say, God, I want you to bless me abundantly. In Malachi chapter 2, I believe it is, these were priests who were also husbands, and they were cheating on their wives. And yet they were praying, and they were wondering why their prayers were not being answered. Because they refused. They refused. Yeah. They refused to honor God. But they were, they were, again, they were crying. God, why won't you honor our prayers? Why aren't you answering our prayers? And God says, here's why. Luke 12, okay, time check, 12, 14. Let me wrap this up real quick. Luke 12, and he said to his disciples, for this reason I tell you, do not worry about your life as to what you are to eat, nor for your body as to what you are to wear. Now, again, I've read this passage for years, and there are times I've read it, and again, as I said earlier, I'm reading and I'm saying, but, 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 but if I, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but if I don't do, uh, but, but, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> for this reason I tell you, do not worry about your life as to what you are to eat, nor for your body as to what you are to wear. For life is more than food, and the whole, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens that they neither sow nor reap. They have no storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. Our first passage told us about the loving kindness of the Lord. And which of you, by worrying, can add a day to his lifespan? Has worry ever helped anybody? And yet, some again, I, I'm not here to criticize anyone, but it's just a reminder of what God's word says to us. In fact, in the context of the scripture, Jesus is saying, stop worrying. Which of you by worrying can add a single day to his lifespan? Therefore, if you cannot do, if you can cannot do even a very little thing why do you worry about the other thing consider the lilies uh, Warren was talking about this last week last week two weeks ago two weeks ago flowers I love orchids in your free time go either look at the intricacy of an orchid or google it ooh you see God's handiwork in an orchid it is beautiful. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither labor nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Again, I've read this passage in the past, and I've, but, but, but God. 
and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. God knows our frame. He is inviting us. He's telling us, I want to take this worrying from you. For all these things are what the nations of the world eagerly seek, and your Father knows that you need these things. He knows what we need. Now, obviously, this does not mean I'm going to go home, sit on my couch, not go to work, because God knows what I need, right? The scripture also says he who doesn't work, he's not going to eat. So I'm going to ask for God's wisdom, ask for his direction. God, I don't know what to do. I, I want to honor you. I want to be obedient to you. God, you know my thoughts. You know my limitations. I need you. Again, for all these things are what the nations of the world eagerly seek, and your Father knows that you need these things, but seek his kingdom. My priority is not the stuff. My priority is him. A journey of faith is an invitation to know God. The priority is not the stuff. Unfortunately, we have portions of Christianity who make the stuff the priority. You are, you are a Christian. You are blessed if you have stuff, good stuff. I saw, I was on my way to work, eight days countdown, by the way. I... <laughs> I was on my way to work someday this week. And I, I think it was, a, it was a Tesla Model 3. And it said, God did it or something like that. I, I, that bugs me. It, it bugs me. Because it sends a bad message that my material goods show that God, no. Again, if married couples are together just because of the stuff, that's not a good relationship. Yeah, stuff runs out. Oh, I'm with my wife, I'm with my husband because he buys or she buys me a lot of stuff. That's why our relationship is great. If somebody said that, you'd be looking at them sideways. Like, what is wrong with you? And do you know people say that about God? My God blesses me with a whole lot of stuff. I got a 3,000-square-foot house. I got seven cars. My bank account is full, and that's how I know I'm saved. Really? St. John 13, 35, 36. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples by your 401k. By how many cars you have in your garage. By how many investments you have. Does this mean we don't save and invest? No. doesn't mean that. But it means my priority is not there. Because all that stuff's going to burn up and you don't want to pay $842 a month for a car. 
You don't want to do that. I'm telling you from experience. Let me do real quick. I'm going to wrap it up. After that first payment, and let me tell you, car was great. I love driving it. See, Pastor Kern will tell some people that he never drove it. But that's not true. <laughs> well, you drove it. <laughs> Be- beautiful car. I was heading <laughs> I was heading east on the 210 to the transition north on the 15. My top was down. I said, let me see what this car will do. I was at 110 on the interchange, and it felt like I was going 50. I looked down. I said, whoa, let me slow down. So as far as cars go, great. Wonderful. It's not worth $842 a month, though. It's not worth all the money for the repairs and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Let me wrap this up. Uh, okay. But seek his kingdom and these things will be provided to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, because your father has chosen to give you the kingdom. God loves us. And when I rest in him, when I say, God, I want your will to be done in my life. God, you have provided for me. God, I have everything that I need. And if I have a need, God, you see what I need. I'm asking you for wisdom, your your provision. God, I need you. God has said he'll take care of it. Now, either I believe that or I don't. Colossians 2, 2 through 7. For my hope is that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding, the joy of salvation, listen to this, resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God, that is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and purposes of God. I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive but thoroughly deceptive arguments. For even though I am absent from you in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, delighted to see your good discipline as you stand shoulder to shoulder and form a solid front and see the stability of your faith in Christ, your steadfast reliance on him, and your unwavering confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Now, again, I understand that, again, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to trust God. We're looking at situations, and it's like I... God, I don't get it. But keep in mind, God knows my thoughts. He cares for me. He loves me. He wants, he begs me to carry my request to him. Psalm 62 and 8, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. A journey of faith is an invitation to know God. It's not about the stuff. It's an invitation to... God is inviting us to have an intimate relationship with him. All right. Verse 6. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin, having been deeply rooted in him 
and now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith just as you were taught and listen to this and overflowing with gratitude is my life characterized by an abundance of gratitude to God or am I complaining about everything this happened I don't like it that happened I don't like it God thank you Camille was giving thanks this morning God you do all things well guess what and you all know I talk about this a lot we suffer trials we experience hurts things don't feel good but if I understand that my God is faithful that he does all things well A-L-L all things well and I can't do that if I don't know him the scripture says all things work together for the good it doesn't say all things are going to feel good it says all things work together for good everyone in here if you're over the age of 15 you have experienced some hurts but do we believe that God is faithful and sovereign that was kind of like yeah <laughs> yeah all right uh, okay we have some questions but really quickly well let me read the first question and you don't have to answer this. Well, there's a question. So why does God want me to trust him? You don't have to answer it, but I want you to think about it. Why does God want me to trust him? Now, some would say it's because he's insecure. No, that's, that's, no, that's not the right answer. So Psalm 119, Sister P, if you can pull that up. and Let's read Psalm 119.33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. And I will keep it to the end steadfastly. Give me understanding that I may keep your law. Yes, I will observe it with my whole heart. Make me go in the path of your commandments, for in them do I delight. Now look, look at what's happening here. I don't work up righteousness within myself. I'm saying, God, I need you to give me understanding. I don't know what to do. Give me understanding that I may keep your law. I will observe it with my whole heart. Make me go in the path of your commandments, for in them I do delight. Do I delight in God's commandments? All right? Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness, not to BMW M Roadsters. I'm going to use myself. Robbery, sensuality. Turn away my eyes from beholding vanity, idols, and idolatry, and restore me to vigorous life and health in your ways. Establish your word and confirm your promise to your servant, which is for those who reverently fear and devotedly worship you. As I pour out my heart to God constantly, God, I need you. I need you. God, I worship you. God, I can't do this myself. Number two, and there are probably more. There are at least five components of trusting God. 
We have to know God. We have to revere God. We have to have gratitude. We have to be content. We have to be obedient. And we have to be patient. So there are at least five. Again, question for all of us to consider. Which is the most difficult for you? I don't have a problem with any of them. Knowing God, revering God, being thankful, being content, obedience, and patience. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess probably obedience and patience might be one or two. Again, we let me use that forgiveness passage. We've been in services where talking about forgiveness and the response has been, well, you don't know what they've done to me. In other words, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to forgive them. Yeah, no, yeah, no, Lord, <laughs> which is a contradiction in terms. No, Lord, creator of the universe, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And what I'm really saying to God is you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Number three, and I'm done. Reflect on your journey of faith. It's for all of us individually. How's it going? If I have trouble trusting God, tell God about it. Because he understands. He, he's not going to kick us out. He can handle it. Some people say, oh, I can't tell God. Yeah, you can. He already knows what we're thinking anyway. God wants, again, let me finish with this. A journey of faith, trust, is an invitation to know God. It's not an invitation to get what I want. It's an invitation to know God. God loves us. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers.